Hello, everyone, and happy Monday. Welcome to the Athletes Table Podcast, the podcast designed by athletes for athletes. As always, this is Tyler Diefenbach, joined by Drew Hildebrand. Let's dive in. All right, so today we wanted to discuss the book that we spoke about in episode one, Getting to Neutral by Trevor Moad. For both of us, I think it was um, it was something that we could use outside of athletics while inside of athletics as well. I think a lot of the lessons that I took from that book, um, I took with me off the field, more importantly um, than being on the field as well. So Drew, what, what, what did you take away from this book that Okay, so uh, we're talking about Getting to Neutral by Trevor Mowat. Um, Trevor Mowat is a sports psychologist and consultant for professional athletes across all like all type of sports. Um, he's notor- notoriously known for being Russell Wilson's uh, mental coach. Um, we got introduced uh, to the book by our school pastor, Scott. Uh, we started meeting with him every Wednesday and reading three to four chapters a week. Um, and I recommend this book to anybody because of the life lessons that I took away from it and from the key points that allowed my athletic career to evolve as well. Um, today, I'm going to be discussing my three biggest takeaways from the book and some quotes and like broad ideas that I think everyone should um, know about and discuss. Um, So my three biggest takeaways from this book is one, uh, one simple question can guide you through any situation in life. And that is, what does this situation require of me? Um, I think Scott and Deef and I really went over this a lot through every single chapter in this book. It wasn't just like, oh, we mentioned it in the chapter it was um, written in. No, like it it expanded across the entire book. Um, I took this into every single part of my life, um, whether it was on a test, like, okay, what does this uh, test require of me? Does it require like three hours of studying this night or like maybe like doing a Quizlet the next day? Um, how do I prepare for this? So it just kind of expanded into other areas outside of athletics. Um, but in my athletic play, um, it was also really helpful because when I was on the mound, I took it into both bullpens and in game. Um, I would evaluate the facts, I think. And neutral thinking, which is what this book is all about, is evaluating facts and not our personal biases about what this situation is about. So um, what I would think about when I'm up on the mound, like let's say I'm down 2-0, my fastball isn't working, so what does this situation require of me? Do I need to spin a breaking ball to get me over for a strike? Do I need to keep challenging with a fastball, put it right down the middle? Hopefully I can get an out. It, it was just a different mindset of thinking from, oh, shoot, like I just threw two balls. I'm not doing well. And it allowed me to kind of just backtrack to, okay, I can get this situation 
in my control without all the negative emotions or um, thinking positively without any um, basis for thinking positively. Um, but that was a really big takeaway from the book. My second one is defining your values and behaving in accordance with your values can change your life. It really can. So um, Trevor Moawad spoke a lot about um, your values and writing down your values on a piece of paper and um, trying to live your life through your values. So I kind of did exactly what he said. I took a piece of paper and I wrote down what is important to me. Um, Deef, I'm not sure if you did the same thing or not, but I wrote down one, my faith, two, my family, three, my friends and teammates, and for my athletic career. I think that my faith, my family, and my friends come before my athletics. Um, and I think this is why me and you also connected so well while meeting with Scott because we had similar values. Um, I 100% agree. And if you don't know where your values are, I think that could also steer you in a wrong direction maybe um, if that comes out right. In order to uh, – what am I trying to say here? So if you feel as though that everything around you is moving too fast or it it's, feels as if it's out of your control, I think figuring out what your values are allows you to realign your life. 100%. Um, before I kind of read this book – um, I would say my values were out of whack. Um, it was just kind of a nice regrouping when I read that chapter and it allowed me to fall back on the values that I believe in and that I can go to because before I was kind of getting into bad habits, like in the fall previous, in the first half of the season, I was just not doing things that lined up with what I was trying to achieve. And I think my biggest goals for myself right now are different from what my goals were six months ago. And they're always evolving. But when you have your values to fall back on, it can always help your goals no matter how much they're changing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, also, what I was going to say on values, if you have your values set, but you don't behave with those values, you're not doing any good. Because the behavior aspect is vital to um, what your values stand for. And I think, like, let's say my faith was my number one value. If I didn't go to church, then why am I, like, having faith written down as my number one value? You know, mm. or if I'm not hanging out with my friends... Why are they my third value written down? You know what I mean? So the behavior aspect is super important, right? And I think that most athletes tend to get away from those values. And it's just kind of a spiral out of control. It affects everything around you. Um, so that's my second uh, biggest takeaway. And three is the final chapter's um, title, There Are No Finish Lines whatsoever. So what that means is, let's say uh, Moad used 
I believe it was uh, the Florida men's basketball coach at one point. I forget his name, but he used uh, that guy as an example, and they won a championship the previous year. But the next year, it's a whole different new ballgame. So just because you had success one time does not mean that you get to stop and you have to stop practicing or competing or um, just going through your routines. Um, It's a constant battle every single day because uh, we're constantly evolving. And on page 223 in this book, it says we're not meant to be stagnant. And that really stuck with me. I underlined that a bunch. And I think Moad concluded that uh, quote up with we're constantly evolving and we're not like being set in one place. Um, There are going to be times where you struggle. And like Deef and I did, we wanted to do something about it. And I think that a lot of athletes, when they struggle, they just kind of shut down. Like they don't really know what to know how to get out of a hole or how to find the help they need. And it just does not help you in any situation when you're being in this hole and you cannot dig yourself out. It's, it's already hard enough being a college athlete. And when you're sucking, unfortunately, like some people do a lot of times, like I did last year, like if you did last year, sometimes like it sucks and you just can't get out, but you need to be adaptable. And I don't think a lot of athletes are willing to be adaptable or are in the right headspace to be adaptable. And that's what I want to do with this podcast as well is to open up athletes enough to be able for them to say, oh, okay, like I need help. Right. Mm -hmm. So you bring up a great point there. And I wanted to circle back to the neutral thinking. So for me, neutral thinking is simple thinking, right? So (laughs) when you said, um, what does this situation require of me? It comes down to the simplest action that you can take in that situation. So for me, when I would throw a ball, the next simplest thing that I could do and focus on is throwing a strike. So from that point, you need to focus on the smallest point that you can find and get it there. So for an infielder, for example, if they make an error, what's the next thing that they could do to focus on that needs to happen? So for them, it could be fielding the ground ball properly or getting the throw to the right bag, just being in that moment. Um, so simple thinking, it you can't take an error or an action of you messing up onto the next moment. And for me, that was my biggest takeaway from this book was what does this situation require of me? Because not only did I use it on the field, I take it off the field as well. If something bad happens in my throughout my day, take a step back. All right, what do I need to do to get back on track throughout my day? Do I need to go to the gym? Do I need to just continue with a homework assignment on a test? If I fail the test, what does this situation require me? I need to study better for the next test. So for me, that was that's something that I want to circle back and talk about. Yeah. And that's a great point. And, um, just as a disclaimer, um, this just doesn't, um, involve baseball. This is over every sport. 
and every part of our lives. So for football, for instance, you blow your coverage. Okay. The next step, like what does this next situation require of me? Okay. I need to do my job on this play. And I'm not saying I know anything about football. I played two years in high school, but just in a, a different example. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that was the biggest takeaway for me too, because it almost like just simplified every single situation that I got myself involved in. So, okay, I have four hours to do homework, lift, and um, whatever I do in my free time, play video games, whatever. So what does this situation require of me? Okay, I need to get my math done in an hour, which I can do, like five problems. So 20 minutes of problem or something like that. Um, that's easily achievable. Okay. I need an hour to lift. Okay. I can do that. That's no problem. I don't want to rush through it, but I can get as much done as I can in an hour. And then I have the rest of my night. Um, but yeah, it just simplified my life a lot. And it was really rewarding in the end because I had so much more free time to be able to do the things that I wanted to do because I was being more efficient. Um, Moat also, um, mentions Nick Saban. And I thought that was one of my favorite parts of the book because Nick Saban is such a time management person. And I think that's why Alabama is so good is because they don't waste any time. They get as much done in a single practice as most teams would probably get in a single week of practice. Like Nick Saban I, th I was watching a video one time and Nick Saban was yelling at one of his coaches saying, why are we wasting 10 mil minutes teaching them how to do the drill? Like we should be using that 10 minutes to do the drill. And I just think that uh, the time management aspect of neutral thinking is really helpful. So uh, that's a good point that you brought up. Um, There's some quotes and broader ideas that I wanted to bring up. Um, so, uh, this one was pretty interesting and deep. I think you really like this one too. Um, it was stop saying stupid shit out loud. <laughs> yeah, that was a big, even <laughs> thinking too. That's it's huge because, and this goes to the power of positive thinking because if you're thinking <laughs> negative, negative things are going to happen. And right. I could guarantee that one that, that's a factual statement. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I couldn't count on um, two hands the amount of times that I have cursed myself out for walking a batter or giving up a double or throwing a wild pitch. Um, goes back to the spiral effect I was talking about. You curse yourself out, the next pitch is awful, and then you just keep repeating. Um, I thought that was pretty awesome when I started – trying to not curse myself out <laughs> for um, making a bad play or throwing a bad pitch um, seemed to work out pretty positively for me. I think I started getting more consistent in my bullpens. I started getting more consistent in uh, PFPs and practice reps. And I think that was a big part and a big takeaway from the book. So to go um, off of that as well, it, it also comes down with the neutral thinking, simple thinking, it comes down to being aware of what you're thinking. Um, so towards the end of my career last year, 
anytime I stepped in the game, I was like, I don't think I'm throwing a strike. And guess what? I didn't. <laughs> so if you don't think you're going to do something, you're not going to do it. But if you could force yourself to think something, and this takes a ton of practice, by no means is this easy, especially when you're in a hole. But if you could, if you catch yourself saying, I'm not going to do good today. <laughs> well, you don't know that. You could do well today, but you're not giving yourself the opportunity to do well today if you're already thinking you're not going to do well today. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, I caught myself doing that a lot last year, just as you did, and I'm sure our whole team probably did that last year as well. Um, I see bad body language at our practices all the time, and everyone I go up to everyone that is like that, and they're like, yeah, I just – I don't have it today. I don't feel good. Like you're not giving yourself a shot. Like you need to get over the excuses that you have and you need to just go out there and compete. And I really wish that I learned that a little bit sooner because I just felt like I was just digging myself a deeper hole every time that I would say, crap, I got to throw again or crap. I got to do bunt coverages. I got to run I gotta do all this stuff that I didn't want to do because I wasn't having fun because I wasn't doing well you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I think um saying stupid shit out loud really uh was a really big part of this book to me mm-hmm. um the next one I think is <laughs> pretty big is on page 61, the quote says, the idea that you must be positive to have hope is bullshit. And that is so true. Because every time I tried to think positively on the mound, when I had no basis for being positive, was the worst thing that could have happened to me. Was the absolute worst. I tried to think positively, I think my second outing against Lockhaven and like I've already had doubt in the back of my mind that oh I don't think I'm going to do good today because my bullpen was crappy before getting put in um I just don't feel good my body hurts I shouldn't have lifted my arms sore like but then I'm like okay maybe I should just think more positively like okay I'm in this game I can throw strikes yeah I walked the next 3 batters on 12 pitches and then I got pulled um It's just not a good feeling when you think positive, but then something negative happens and it just like is detrimental. Like your mind just sinks. Like you're out of it completely. It ruins the rest of your day and you don't feel good about anything. Like your life, your school, your social life, it just goes to shit for lack of a better word. Um, It's just, I think positive thinking is overrated. And I think that's what uh, Moad's trying to get across in this book, too. Um, You can't really get too high or you can't get too low because if you get too high, it's like riding away, right? If you get too high and something negative happens, you're crashing. So um, that was a big part of the book. Yeah, you brought brought up a great point there. Um, And that's why it's so important to be neutral. So you can't be so negative, but you can't be so positive. Um, so why don't, is there something that stuck out to you in the way of neutral thinking? Like, what did you do that you kept like a baseline way of thinking? 
I think that I think that just trying to show my emotions as little as I could was really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. I think um, my dad always talked about when I was a uh, younger poker face, right? Like when you're on the mound, like you don't show anything. Like if you made a bad pitch, um, then you just poker face. You don't show anything. You go, you move on to the next pitch. Um, I also try thinking about like something outside of baseball, like just honestly, I thought about riding a wave, you know, like I'm in the ocean or I'm on a beach or something. And it really kind of helped me, um, not really think about, oh crap, like I'm in this game. Oh, I'm going to suck. Like I just didn't have any negative thoughts or feelings when I went out there and I wasn't totally focused on oh crap like I gotta do this I gotta do that no I just gotta throw the next pitch and it's always the next thing you're focused on the next right you're not trying to dwell on the past and that's another point that I have Um, we accept what happened in the past but we also accept that the future isn't predetermined right Mm -hmm. so if we throw a crappy pitch Okay, that doesn't mean you're going to throw a crappy pitch this next ball. Or, oh, I threw an interception. I'm not going to throw an interception the next ball. That doesn't mean that you're going to do something just because you did it the uh, play before. And I think uh, Mo Watt also brought up Drew Brees in that. And it was just focus on the task that's next. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big part of my thinking. I really didn't try to involve myself too much on what I was doing or the thinking behind what I was doing. It was just, okay, I need to throw the next pitch. If I throw a ball, who cares? Like, that doesn't mean that I'm going to throw a ball the next pitch. Like, it was just focus, focus, focus. So, um, and lastly, um, I think this was a pretty cool one. Uh, Moad mentions Kirby Smart and Georgia's football team before playing against Alabama in a national championship. It's starve your distractions and feed your focus. Um, what this means is ultimately it comes down to media. Social media is such a distraction. Um, text messages are a distraction. Snapchat's a distraction. Uh, family members can be a distraction. Um, Moa talks about like how Georgia's players were instructed to, um, stay away from all of that, like to put their phones away and just focus on the task at hand, which was winning this game or doing what they need to do in practice, like watching film, all that stuff in the week leading up to that championship game. And they didn't want any of the social media crap distracting them from what the ultimate goal was. And I think that's a, another thing that's not even athletics. It's just our entire generation is just so like obsessed with social media. Like, Oh, who, like what person did this at what moment? Like, Oh my gosh, they're in Cancun. I'm here in Indiana, Pennsylvania. I wish I could be them. You know, like, it's just not good for your mental health and you're not doing anything to better yourself. 
It's just something that keeps you occupied. And I think that's another point that I could bring up. Like, people just want to be just occupied or entertained. And Well, this circles back to your values. You know, if, exactly. if you're doing something that doesn't line up with your values, you're distracting yourself from what needs to happen. And you need to starve those distractions. So you could, you, your value, your value shouldn't change, but you should have goals daily. So for me, like every day I write out a daily plan of what I need to accomplish, whether that's lifting, doing a homework assignment, whatever. So if I'm going to go sit in my living room and watch TV for three hours, I'm distracting myself from doing my homework, getting a lift in, you know, bettering myself. Yeah. It's just like, let's say you're, values or your goals were to be an all conference all region all american pitcher or baseball player and you're on social media for like four to five hours a day and then you're also playing playstation or xbox for another three that's eight hours of your day you have 24 hours in a day and you're wasting eight hours on that stuff and then essentially so, you're already you're and you're down 16 hours and you're sleeping for eight hours as well. You're, yeah. So you're down to eight hours to go to class, practice, lift, all that stuff. But then you're probably going to eat at some point as well. Like you probably have what, like six hours in a day to focus on that. That's not lining up with your goals or your values. Um, I thought that was a pretty big part for me too. When I got off social media more, that's when I started doing better. <laughs> um, yeah. I, when I limited myself to playing PlayStation for maybe 30 minutes a day instead of two hours a day. Yeah, I got better and I started throwing more strikes and I started becoming more consistent. And that was a big takeaway from, or big idea from the book. Um, and lastly, I just kind of wanted to conclude this episode of the podcast by reinforcing that there are no finish lines. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're struggling with, there's no finish lines. You can go out and evolve and change things and work on whatever you need to work on to better yourself as a human being. Because um, take a look at me. I I sucked. I sucked. I gave up like 12 earned runs my first three outings as, in a, as a college freshman pitcher. And then I went out and put up zeros across the board for the next three or four outings. You know, you can always evolve. You can always change. Like if you're, let's say your values are church and you're not going to church, then go to church. If you define your values as you want your degree, you got to study. Go get those A's. Go get those B's. Like just... The main uh, message I can give you is just don't be willing to fail. Like, go out and get what you want to get. There are no finish lines. Don't compare yourself to others either. Just because you feel as though you're behind somebody else, that doesn't mean you're actually behind. It just means you're going at your own pace, and it's okay to go at your own pace.
And that concludes today's episode of Athlete Stable Podcast. Thank you for listening. And as always, feel free to DM or email us. Follow us on Instagram at Athlete Stable Podcast or email us at Athlete Stable Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you.